Bibles, if you would please, to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, toward the back of your Bible, 1 John chapter number 5. Glad you're here today. We'll try to hurry so we can get you out in the warm air that uh, summer is about to arrive, I think. In your Bible, the book of 1 John, I read for you verse 11 through 21. Follow along, if you would, please, and maybe we can learn something from God's Word today. We're living in a day of uncertainty. We're uncertain about our politicians. We're uncertain about the weather. We're uncertain about everything in the world. And because of the uncertainties emotionally, We have also adapted a spiritual uncertainty. We ask folks, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? I think so. Maybe so. Boy, I'm working at it. And on and on and on and on and on. We are living in an age of tolerance. A bad word today, even worse than a lot of the four-letter words, is dogmatism. Dogmatic about anything is intolerant. It ought to be adjustable. Why would you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven when there are many gods? Uncertainty. Verse 11 of 1 John 5. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Well, we can take that verse out. It's too dogmatic. It's too easy to understand. So we'll go on to the next verse because it's not near as dogmatic as the first verse. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I think the Lord ought to give us more room. You Baptists are sure dogmatic. Maybe because we're right. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That you might know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. Now let's read it 
like we believe it. And if we hope that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we hope that we have the petition that we desire of him. Now that's what we live. Maybe not what we believe, but that's how we live. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, gossip about it, please, hurry. He shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. There is a sin, and I do not say that you may, you shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, Keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Well, I was reading my Bible the other day, and I read this chapter. And I said to myself, Self, there ought to be a sermon in this chapter. As you know, the Apostle John is the author of this book and the other two books accompanying it, along with the Gospel of John. In writing these books, John has a particular objective in mind. He does not just write a letter just to fill up the pages and put in the Bible and constitutes 66 books, but he has an objective in writing the book. If you have just a moment and you like to take the time, I'm, no, I'm going to preach till 12 so it makes no difference what you do between here and there. If you look in your Bible to the book of John, that's the Gospel of John, chapter number 20, we'll see John's objective of writing the Gospel of John, in John chapter 20, and verse number 30, we see the objective of the book of John. We'll later see the objective of the book of 1 John. Notice, if you would please, in the first place, John chapter 20 and verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. <clears throat> but these 
are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John is a book written that you might believe and have eternal life. Anytime I lead a person to Christ, I encourage them to begin reading the book of John and notate every time it talks about eternal life, everlasting life, and so forth and so on because the book is written for the sole purpose that we read the book, we get introduced to Jesus Christ, and we believe on Jesus Christ and have everlasting life. Now there's two words that set apart the book of John and 1 John. Now go back to 1 John chapter number 5 and I'll show you those two words. The gospel of John is written that you and I might have eternal life. Amen. And I'm glad I have eternal life. It beats eternal death all to pieces. Here are the two words that sets apart the book of John and 1 John. Verse 18, we know. Verse 19, we know. Verse 20, we know. Verse 15, we know. Verse 13, that ye might know ye have eternal life. I not only have it, (laughs) I know I got it. You can't confuse me about it. You cannot talk me out of it. You may beat my brains out, and when my brain hits the floor, it will say, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The question is, what do you know? I think so, won't get it. You say, is it possible to have it and not know it? Kind of like the itch, I guess. If you got it, you'll know it. (laughs) Come on. It's kind of like being married. You got it, you'll know it. She'll remind you on a regular basis. Come on, say amen. Now loosen up just a little bit, if you would, please. Did you know as you examine through the book of 1 John, you'll find the word no approximately 33 times. No. The danger of uncertainty. I think so. Maybe so. I hope so. Well, thank God this book was written that I might know so. Are you proud of that? Yeah, I like that. I I really do. The book of 1 John chapters 1 and 2 deals with fellowship. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. 
Beloved, it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see him, we shall be made like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. On and on and on. The book of 1 John, first portion, deals with fellowship. Fellowship. If we walk in the light as he is the light, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Can you say amen? It deals with fellowship. It tells us how to fellowship with our brethren in Christ. It tells us how to fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. It talks about fellowship. But when you get to the latter part of 1 John, it talks about sonship. Sonship. Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. It does not appear what we shall be. Hey, I am so glad that I have fellowship with God through His precious Son. I want to remind you about some things. In order to grow, There is a matter to know. You can't know. And you can't grow. But if you know, you can grow. To know is to grow. How do you know God's going to let you into heaven? I mean, you know you better than anybody else. If you were God, would you let you in? If your wife was God, would she let you in? <laughs> if your teenage kid was God, would they let you in? How do you know? You see, most folk just get saved, and they never grow. They lack a stunning plant in Texas through April and May. You got root rot. <laughs> You're dying and don't even know it. Does God answer your prayer? I hope so. Is Jesus coming back? Well, I hope so. Is the Bible true? Which one? Which church is right? I have no idea. How I many did Jesus start? One. Who started all the rest of them? I don't know. It's kind of like somebody's hit us with a stupid stick. We saved, I think. Now, don't live like it, but I'm saved, I think. What do you know? How do you know you know it? And just how much of your money would you put on it? 
Some of you folks having problems with 10%. Well, I didn't want to mention that. It reminds me of the three fellows who went hunting one day. One was a lawyer, one was a doctor, the other was a preacher. They went deer hunting. When a prize buck ran out in front of them, they all three hit, took a shot at that buck. And sure enough, boy, that buck hit the ground, stone rock, graveyard, dead. Now the argument is, which one killed the deer? Well, they decided that they could not decide, so they took it to the place where they register the game. And, and the man there, the game warden, said, Well, I may be able to help you figure this out because I know a lot about uh, ammunition and I know about the angle of the shot and I know about the, the, the penetration, I know about the side of entry and the side of exit. I'll just take a look at the deer and, and I'll try to come up with, a, with, a, with a, re, a reasonable answer to who really shot the deer. So he examined it, looked at it for a while and uh, pointed at the wound and he said, see here, the preacher had to be the one who killed the deer. They, with one accord, asked, how do you know that? And he said, see, the bullet went in one ear and out the other. This won't help you if it goes in one ear and out the other. John was writing to a society that was filled with Gnosticism, people who were in the know, people who had all the answers to all of life's dilemmas. And he's writing to a group of Christians that were saved, but they did not know it. And all the preaching and teaching they had heard had gone in one ear and right out the other. I'm afraid we're guilty. Well, the preacher's got 30 minutes, and that's all he's got. And if he don't say something funny in that 30 minutes, I'm out of here. I'll just tune him out. And, Paul, and John writes about the certainty, listen to me now, about the certainty of being a Christian. The absolute 100%, we know, we know that we know that we know. And he gives us five things to know, that we can know. And if we're ever going to grow in the Lord, we're going to have to know these things. I, I, I get so put out watching the news Ours is a political correct society. I am so tired of being political correct. Tolerance is the word of the day. We have more knowledge than ever before and less certainty about anything. 
I think we're living in the day of the certain of uncertainty. Will marriage work? Well, I'm not going to take the chance. I'll just move in. Is the Bible right? Well, it was a hundred years ago, but things are changing. The Bible's not. God's Word is not. I can't understand if it's a sin 20 years ago. Why, it's not a sin today. Somebody said it's more fun now. We got automation. We have a religion of uncertainty. The world and the church abounds with spiritual shipwrecks. I used to go to church. I used to be faithful. I used to serve God. I don't know. I just got maybe sidetracked. I was just kind of uncertain whether God sees me or not. I'm just uncertain whether God means what he said about the assembling of yourselves together. I just don't know if I believe all that book or not. We're by ourselves today, Reverend. Amen. I just wonder what do we know for sure? What, 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 what about this old book? I, I just, you know, the older I get, can we be sure about anything? Is the Bible a book of certainties or just suggestions? I think the most dangerous word is the word uncertainty. Uncertainty about a mate causes all kind of havoc in the home. And the certainty about parenting has a lifelong struggle with kids and parents. Uncertainties about a church. You know, we've had folk leave our church because something was wrong. We try to find them and ask them, well, we don't know what's wrong. It's just something's got to be wrong. Something was bad wrong. It grew too fast, and uh, it ought to have less than what it has. And uh, Wolfenbarger's got to be a con man or something or what. They're just, uh, we're just uncertain about some things. That attitude would gag a maggot. Or maybe make a June bug sick. Maybe the, Paul is writing 15 minutes. I want to show you something. If you're ever going to grow in the Lord, 
You're going to have to be in the know. To sit back and just act like a sponge, never read your Bible, never pray, never seek a relationship with Jesus Christ, never have fellowship with him, I want to know something. You'll never amount to anything for Christ. And it'll be a reflection on you, and it will hurt you emotionally, spiritually, and eventually physically. Notice he says, we know. We know. I am certain, absolutely 100% certain, sure, that Jesus Christ, means what he says. And that I know for certain, now listen to me, that I am S-A-V-E-D saved. Saved. I am sure about salvation. Notice the Bible said, He that hath the Son hath what? Look at verse number 12. He that hath the Son hath what? You know how do you know whether you're saved or not? You know whether you know you have eternal life or not? If you have his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 11 says this. This is not Baptist verses. Now, Betty, would you look and see if you see Baptist on any of those verses? I got them colored just so you can see. You see Baptist on those verses. Miss Harley, oh, you can't read. Oh, <laughs> Verse 11, look at verse 11. It says, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather have eternal life as eternal death. Eternal death is eternal separation from God. Eternal death is separation of God in the pits of hell. Eternal death is where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched and the smoke of the torment ascendeth up forever and ever and ever. I don't know about you folks, but I had a lot rather go to heaven as go to hell. Now, you know how you do that? By accepting his son. Because eternal life, it's not in you. It's not in me. It's not in the Baptist church. Eternal life is in his Son. Verse 12 said, He that hath the Son hath what? He that hath not the Son hath not. Now, do you need to be a rocket scientist to understand that? Well, why did he give us the Bible? These things, verse 13, these things are written that you might believe on the name of the Son of God and that you might know you have what? Man, that's better than snuff and ain't near as dusty. Can you say amen? You can't swallow that. You can't spit it out. You can't gum it up. You can't gum it to death. Thank God I am absolutely sure and I know that I have been saved. I heard Jimmy Swaggart one time. Oh, I'm not supposed to use names. Standing in front of the TV screen and say, I'm going to preach today on the dark, damnable, Baptist doctrine of eternal security. 
That was after they caught him in the motel room with that prostitute. But if anything would make you go to hell and lose your salvation, it ought to be that. What's wrong, you Baptist folk? You afraid that Jerry, Jimmy might get mad at me? Like I care? Dear God, eternal security is not a Baptist doctrine, it's a Bible doctrine. John wrote these folks and said that you might know that if you have the Son, you have life. If you do not have the Son, you do not have life. And if you know that, you know where it's found. It's written in the book of Almighty God. Thank God we're saved. And if you're saved, you ought to know it. And if you're saved, you ought to show it. Church begins at 6.30 this evening. Well, I don't have time for all of this. But these verses don't seem to me like that they're very tolerant to other religions. It don't seem like that Harry Reasoner and Brother Williams on the news that got shot down in a helicopter and all the experts in the land who think that if Jesus is the only way to heaven, that's kind of narrow and dogmatic. But it seems to me like these verses are kind of dogmatic. They're not Baptist verses, they're Bible verses. That we may know we have eternal life. Dr. Spurgeon, the great Baptist of gone days, said that he was so sure of his salvation, he could swing across hell on a broom straw singing, Blessed Assurance. How sure are you? That we may know if you're ever going to grow, you got to know you say. Verse 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. I am certain today that God answers prayer according to his will. Jesus said, Thy will be done on earth. You know the rest of it? 
I don't think it does much good to pray for kundas. Cars. Job, junk, and money. I know that God will answer prayer according to his will, and his will is his word. You ask, you have not, because you ask to consume it upon your lust. I do not pray for God to protect Ginger's chickens. I owneth a shotgun. I do not pray God give me a set of tires. I go charge them. My praying is not that we do God's will on the earth, but that we do God's will that's in heaven. I'm praying for a better job. You need to start looking. Well, I'm praying God to God about my addiction. Did you pray about God giving it to you? You see, when I, when I got saved, I didn't ask God to help me quit smoking because I didn't ask him to help me start. I just quit because I found a reason big enough for me to quit. And that was bringing honor and glory to my Savior. You need to know how to pray. And for what to pray. And then you will have confidence that he hears you. And if we have confidence that he hears us, we're praying according to his will, it will always work. A lot of folks think, well, I need $10 to buy a six-pack. Dear Lord, give me 15 and I'll give you five of it back. That ain't going to work. That's just not going to work. The reason most folk don't pray is because it's a one-sided conversation. Dear Lord, bless me. Thank you. I run out of something to say. See you tomorrow. 10-4, over and out. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody who wouldn't talk back to you? Next time me and Ginger get to an argument, come over. I'll show you what it feels like. She won't argue. She just yells and screams and cusses a lot. I'm kidding, you know, of course. But we know our Savior. We know we're saved. We know we're loved. Then we can have confidence in the God who loved us and loves us. And we can pray with confidence 
That way we know that he hears us. And you grow as you know. Years ago, I went to rent the first meeting place for Joshua Baptist Church. It was a daycare center down by Easy Mart. And I talked to the lady about renting us the facilities to have church. And she said, well, we're asking $600 a month. Can you folks afford that? Actually, no. When she said $600 a month, my faith dropped all the way to the floor. I was hoping she'd give it to us because we're saved. You know what I'm talking about. My little faith as I went in there, and she said $600 a month. I said, how in the world are we going to come up with $600 a month to pay for a meeting place for church? I'd hate to tell you what it costs you to sit in this air-conditioned booger today. $600 a month. Won't buy enough rags to wipe the moisture off the condensers on the air conditioner. You walk in this building and now on a hundred air conditioners turns on. Most of them don't work. They just turn on. You don't get any hair out. You just put a lot of money in it. You grow as you know. Do you know that God will answer your prayer? The Bible says we know. Notice, I'd like to close with this. I probably won't, but I'd like to. Verse 18. John said, we know something else. What's this? We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. You see, back before I got saved, everything was fair game. Everybody was fair game. There was no reservations on where I should go, no reservations on what I should do, or how often I would do it. Kind of reminds you a lot of Baptists today, don't it? Hello? If I'm knocking at your door, would you please answer it by saying amen? I know I have victory over sin. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I 
am no longer a victim to habitual sin. Now, if somebody drives down the road with road rage and starts waving his candle at me, indicating he's one year old, I will shoot him. That's a sin unto death. But I am not, will not, be a victim of belligerent, intentional, habitual sin because I have been born of God and he that is in me is greater than everything that is in the world. And we know that the whole world lieth in, what's the rest of the verse? Wickedness. Now, I know I'm saved. I know my prayers are answered. And I know that sin has no dominion over me any longer. Now, when Ginger does the right thing around the house, there might be a temptation to sin. I do not. Too good a Christian. Yes. I'm glad you don't have a camera at my house. But we get over it. Real quick. Godly like. And go on for the glory of God. Since I got saved and married. I'll just go to the next point. It says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will what? I believe that. See, the devil don't need to come over to Wolfenbarger House. Because we're not going to listen to his life. So he's going to run from us and find somebody around here that he can get to listen to his track. But if we will submit ourselves to God, James 4 and 7, resist the devil, the Bible said he will flee from you. I know for certain that I'm saved. Do you? I know for sure and for certain that my prayers are answered. I know for sure and for certain that I have victory over sin. Verse 19, I know for sure and for certain something about sonship. Verse 19, look at this. And we know that we are of God. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. I am a child of God. To as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become what? Sons of God. Did you know that Jesus spoke of two families while he was here? Yeah, he spoke of two families while he was here. In John 1, 12 and 13, he talks about being born into God's family. John 8, 44, 
He looked at the Pharisees, the religious crowd, and he said, listen now, listen. Ye are of your father, the devil. And his works ye will do, for he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. By default, if you're not a child of God, by default, you are a child of the devil. By default, I mean... You didn't have anything to do with it. Adam and Eve did it for you. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, so death by sin, so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When you were born, you were born. Now, please, I don't know how many babies have gotten a nursery this morning. But they're all heathens. Even my grandkids. As cute as they are, they're heathens. When they took that baby to the nursery at birth and laid that little cute booger, that hunk of heaven, that angel we call him, in that little bed, and mom and daddy walked by and looked at it, goo-gooed and gah-gah and gah-gah-gah-gah-gah-gah. You know what that baby knew? Nothing about morality. Nothing about religion. Nothing about the customs. Nothing about behavior. Nothing about good or bad. That baby was a rank heathen. And everything that baby knows day it's born till the day it dies. Learned most of it from mom and daddy. And our job as parents is to turn that little devil into a productive citizen. And from the infancy of a child of God When we were born again, we were heathen. Absolutely heathen. You say, well, I was a good heathen. That's good. And everything we are today depends on what we've learned from our Heavenly Father. And what we know is what we grew into. So what you know is how you grow. Do you know that you're of God and not of this world? I close. You said you've done this several times, but I'm closing. I know, look at verse 20, I know this is the best verse in all the Word of God that teaches the deity of Christ. Verse 20, I know for certain that Jesus 
is God. I don't care what the Mormons say. I don't care how much peanut butter they spread on it or how much Pepsi they sell to propagate it. I don't care how many swim bicycles they own. I don't care how many doors they knock. Jesus is not the illegitimate son of Adam. Jesus is God. I don't care what Muhammad might think. I don't care what's written in the Torah or any other book. I don't care what's written in their holy book. I don't care what Muhammad might think. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is God. Watch this. Now watch this before we go. Watch this. You don't know this. You don't know very much. And we know, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding. Be careful now. If you don't understand this, you don't know the Son. The Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned, and they cannot know them. But one night, 40-some years ago, in my living room, Jesus Christ came into my heart and opened my understanding that he was who he said he was. And you'll not understand that until you allow him to come into your heart and give you the understanding that he is who he said he is. Notice, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is the one and only true God. And if you want to have eternal life, this life is in His Son. Amen. Then he closes it out with these verses. Little children. Look at verse 21. Little children. Keep thyself from idols. So you hear about the woman in Utah who became annoyed, so annoyed with her husband's addiction to video games that she put him up for sale on Craigslist. She said, I am not making this up. Here's how she classified, the classified ad read. I'm selling my 22-year-old husband. He enjoys eating and playing video games all day. Easy to maintain. Just feed and water every three to five hours. What is an idol? John said, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know. Then, postscript. 
little children, I want to warn you about something. Keep yourself from idols. Your idol may not be made of stone or wood. It may have a screen on it. Today, much is said about the isolation generation. In a recent issue of Leadership Journal, psychologist cites excessive internet use, video gaming, and online porn as causes of a new addiction. Do you ever go anywhere without your phone? You always got a screen to look at. Well, I'm not addicted to it. Oh, I know that. Little children. What would happen if you left it at home one day? You'd have a nervous breakdown. My business go belly up. You ain't got much of a business then. Boy, I messed up a good sermon, didn't I? We look at idols as a bad thing. But most of the time, idols become idols because they're a good thing that we overemphasize. Amen? The lure to technology is always that makes your life better and easier and more comfortable. And you embrace these things, and pretty soon, you cannot be happy without them. You become attached to them. You just develop a new idol. Not a golden bull like Mount Sinai. It's not a flesh-eating God like Moloch in the Valley of Blood. It's technology. We cannot live without it. In fact, we're closer to it than we are to God. And we're more attentive to where it is than where the Bible. I'm just saying, to know is to grow. 